Hello. The Bible reading for this message is taken from James chapter 5, verses 7 to 9, and also Psalm 142. It would be great if you could push pause on this video now and go have a read through those two passages of Scripture and then come back. So that's James chapter 5, verses 7 to 9, and Psalm 142. The Grumble in the Jungle. If you caught the title, uh, I think that you probably have a pretty good idea of where we're going to be going this morning. I haven't been able to get away from James chapter 5, verse 9. Do not grumble against one another, brothers and sisters. And I think one of the reasons I haven't been able to get away from it is because it's just so pertinent to us where we find ourselves right now. Grumbling is something that's so easy to take part in, whether we're openly grumbling or we're quietly grumbling. But it's also interesting, and, and I think another reason that I can't get away from this verse is just because of where it fits into everything that James has to say in his book. He's talking about being patient until the coming of the Lord, and he's talking about the judge standing at the door, and sandwiched in between that reality, the reality of eternity, the reality of the end of all things, and having to live now in light of this reality, that the Lord is near, what does he say? Well, he says, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters. Why is that? See, somehow James understands that grumbling will actually keep us from faithfulness. Grumbling will keep us from being patient and steadfast while we wait on the Lord. Grumbling with our tongues is not the pure religion that God our Father delights in. Uh, grumbling can have the adverse effect of causing us to fall away and become that brother or sister at the end of James chapter 5 that a search and rescue party has to go out for to bring us back. Why is it that James goes here? And I believe it's because James knows well the story of the people of Israel. Do you remember the children of Israel back in the story of Exodus? It's okay if you don't remember that. The Passover lamb had been sacrificed on their behalf. They had been set free from Egypt. They were no longer slaves and in bondage. God rescues them in the most miraculous way by parting the Red Sea, and he leads them out into the wilderness towards the promised land. Having been graciously redeemed and saved through that incredible act of deliverance, that generation did what no one could possibly have imagined. They grumbled. They grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and ultimately, the Bible says that they grumbled against the Lord. This was the big sin of that generation in Israel, where they chose grumbling over gratitude, uh, murmuring against God and his leaders instead of thankfulness for what God had done for them. Their grumbling stalled them in their journey home and led to actions that were anything but blameless and innocent. Uh, actions that didn't reflect that they were the beloved people of God, but actually uh, grumbling uh, that showed that their hearts were not grateful for what God had done for them. And I think it's James who recognizes that story in the people of God that replays itself over uh, through various cycles that he comes to this point and says, the Lord is near and the judge is standing at the door. Therefore, brothers and sisters in Christ, 
if you want to keep the faith, if you want to keep a tight rein on your tongue, if you want to finish well and be patient and steadfast, you're going to have to learn not to grumble. Okay, so what exactly is it that James is referring to here when he talks about not grumbling against each other? Uh, the word that James uses for grumbling is an emotionally charged word that means something like groaning or muttering under your breath. It's like when you have an interaction with somebody and you walk away and you just mutter under your breath in sort of frustration or in bitterness or in anger against that person that you were having that dealing with. And you're just like, oh, I can't believe that they're so like whatever. I, I can't believe that, that they're that way. And you just kind of mutter under your breath. Um, maybe you swear under your breath and you're just like, oh, it, that's the idea. It's just something that becomes entrenched in our everyday life. Uh, some, most people might never actually experience within us. So this isn't like the negative complaining person all the time. Uh, this is the person who's quite passively just doing this and introducing a, a kind of a root of bitterness into their life uh, and into their relationships. And the reason that James says that we do this, the reason that we complain like this and grumble like this and groan like this is because we forget and we forget something super specific here. We forget that the Lord is near. Everything that needs to be accomplished has already been accomplished for our salvation, for our redemption, and for our rescue, for our adoption into the family of God. It took place at the cross and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. That is done. And so it is on that level that we can say that the Lord is near. We know now that his coming will be like a thief in the night, and we are to be ready all the time because it can happen at any time. And it's in that tension that we can say that the Lord is near. He may still be a long way off in the years of our lives. He may come tomorrow, but he is near because the work, the heavy lifting, is done and it is out the way. But James says we grumble because we forget. We forget that he's near. We forget that the judge is standing at the door. So you see, grumbling, uh, whining, uh, thanklessness are, are not ultimately the heart's response to circumstances. They're the heart's response to God. Israel grumbled at their enslavement in Egypt. They also grumbled when Moses came onto the scene and said he was going to rescue them. And then they grumbled while they were wandering safely in the wilderness. The complaining wasn't rooted in their scenery, but in their hearts. When they complained in Exodus 15 and 16 and 17, when they grumbled against Moses and Aaron, the Lord comes in and says, no, they're not grumbling against you, Moses and Aaron. They are grumbling against me. Why? Because they have already forgotten what I have accomplished, and they've forgotten the promises that I have made, and they have forgotten where it is that I am taking them. And so there is, for us, uh, the, something that we need to learn, that our patience and our steadfastness to finish well in this life and to be welcomed into eternity is bound up in what we remember and in what we forget. A heart of gratitude and thankfulness 
isn't dependent on your life circumstances or on your bank balance or on a doctor's diagnosis or on the curve of Corona and COVID-19, thanklessness and grumbling, uh, regardless of your situation, regardless of your relationships. Even remember, James seems to be talking into the community. You know, we, we can grumble against our circumstances, but James actually elevates this one. He says, you grumble in your relationships. Um, the grumbling is, is regardless of those relationships, it's regardless of the situation, it's regardless of the suffering, because the grumbling that comes out, you know, quietly under your breath, is actually a reflection of your heart. And that grumbling against one another is sin. And when sin uh, is uh, conceived and fully grown, it gives birth to death. Yeah, I don't think that we, you know, it's one of those respectable sins, uh, thanklessness or unthankfulness. We don't really think about it in those terms, but, but when we grumble, that's exactly what it is that we're doing. And it's because we have spiritual amnesia. It's a deadly disease that threatens our faith, threatens our joy, just like a cancer eating away at us. It penetrates right into the very core of our hearts and it rots us from within. So that's the first thing. We complain because we forget. So what do we do about this grumbling? Well, that's the second thing that I want to point out to you this morning. If the problem is that we forget, what is it that we need to do? Well, obviously we need to remember, but what is it that we need to remember? We need to remember and trust the process. Uh, James says two things. Firstly, he says in verse 8 that we need to uh, be patient and establish our hearts. What is it that we need to establish our hearts in? Well, if grumbling rots our hearts like a cancer from the inside, we need to ensure that our hearts are established. And what are they to be established in? Well, he gives this illustration of a farmer. Look at how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until he receives the early and the late rains. The farmer knows that there's a process that he has to patiently, steadfastly, wait through and endure whatever might happen, tending his fields until the rains come to water those fields and give life to uh, the plants that will eventually lead to the harvest. And so James says, actually, that's the same thing for you. You need to trust the process. You need to be patient in the process and you need to establish your hearts, all right? So what do you have to establish your hearts in? You have to establish your hearts in remembering everything that the Lord has done for you. The, the antidote uh, to grumbling isn't actually just a, an overwhelming, uh, positive way of thinking about life. You see, we, we tend to think as human beings in, in dualities. Uh, you know, so basically I'm not supposed to grumble, therefore I'm supposed to be full of thankfulness and positive all the time. But that misses a step. It misses sort of the third dimension. You see, in, in the world around us, you'll get people like that. You'll get complainers and grumblers, and you'll get people who are positive and who are thankful all the time and find the silver lining in every cloud. The thing is that what James is saying when he says establish your hearts is he's bringing in this third dimension, and it's this dimension of remembering. It's remembering that the Lord is near. It's remembering 
that the judge is standing at the door and that all people are going to have to stand before that judge. So there's the third dimension that he brings in. And when he brings in those two things, he's actually bringing in the entire story of God that the Bible has been talking about that spans all of human history. When James says, establish your hearts, when he calls us to remember, he's calling us to think about all of the fingerprints that God has placed all over our life. Those fingerprints where he drew us to himself through hearing his word, through hearing the gospel, through a friend uh, sharing uh, the good news of salvation with you. He's calling us to remember those fingerprints in that time where he stepped into our life, to remember that time where he provided for us, where he comforted us, where he delivered us, the time where he healed us, the time where we knew his presence in a very special way, the time where we cried out to him and he answered our prayers. Remember what God has been developing in us. James is worried about faithlessness, a heart that says, I know better than God. If only God would do and act according to my plan. Many of us wake up set to grumble, and we move through our days murmuring at a great variety of people along the way. We might dress it up in much nicer words. I'm venting. I'm being honest. I'm just saying. I'm just asking. Um, I'm just getting something off my chest. Or maybe even I'm just wanting to share a prayer request. But God knows what we're doing, and if we really think about it, we often know exactly what we're doing too. Uh, grumbling is the hum of the fallen human heart, and it's often a hallmark of the Christian's indwelling sin, that we're just not ready to or prepared to do the hard work of getting rid of that grumbling. So if you want to begin to deal with that grumbling, that murmuring, that venting, that just saying something under your breath about somebody else that's destroying not just your relationships, but is actually destroying you. See, that's James's thing. He's worried that this grumbling is going to destroy you. If you want to become a, a non-grumbler, you need to trust the process and remember what it is that God is doing. To know that He is near. His coming is not far off, that he will judge us for every careless word that we speak, that the judge is standing at the door and he's listening. You know, if you thought about that, if, if you knew, and you do know that Jesus is listening to every word that comes out of your mouth, whether regardless of whether or not somebody's standing there listening, he knows. Now, I want to say one other thing, which I guess is my third point this morning, and that is this. If you're going to complain... You better complain well. You might think, what? Didn't you just say that we weren't allowed to do that? Well, yes, but also no. You see, there is a way that we can complain without grumbling. There is a faithful way to complain and a faithless way to complain. And the Bible often refers to faithless complaining as grumbling, and it warns us not to do that because it is so incredibly destructive. 
uh, grumbling complaints directly or indirectly declare that God is not sufficiently good, faithful, loving, wise, powerful, competent, and the like. Uh, otherwise, we believe that he would treat us better than the way that he's treating us, and that he would run the universe more effectively, more like we would run the universe. Faithless complaining is sinful because it accuses God of doing wrong. But faithful complaining doesn't accuse God of doing wrong. Rather, faithful complaining is an honest, groaning expression of what it's like to experience trouble, suffering, trial, testing, tempting, anguish, or grief in living in this fallen, futile world. God doesn't mind this kind of complaining. In fact, he encourages it, and he teaches us how to do it in the Bible. Psalm 142, verses 1 and 2 read, With my voice I cry out to the Lord. With my voice I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. This is a, a biblical righteous way to complain. The Psalms are full of lament. Uh, the book of Psalms contains prayers and hymns that God chose to teach us in order that we might express ourselves in ways that are full of faith in ways that are full of praise and worship, and yet take our entire emotional experience into account. Nearly a third of the Psalms are actually laments, and they are precious gifts from God. In these laments, the writer pour out their sorrow before God, their anger before God, their frustration before God, their confusion before God, their longing, their desolation, their repentance, their disappointment, even their depression. And, and they cry out to God, not, not trusting in Him, but bringing those things before the Lord. You see, it's very different to go to God and say to them, to say to the Lord, Lord, this, this person, my husband, my wife, my children, they are, they are frustrating me. You know, you know, not God, why did you give me this person? Why did you put this person into my life? But Lord, this person really is just tugging and pushing all the ropes and all the strings and all the buttons, and I just can't deal with it. Lord, help me. Help me to love them the way that you have loved me. Uh, these psalms are expressions of God's profound and deep compassion for us. For he knows that we will frequently experience bewilderment and pain. And we need to frequently bring that to him to help us. God wants us to pour out our complaints to him and to tell him our troubles. That's what verse 2 of Psalm 142 says. Tell, I tell you, I tell you these things. Hear my complaints. He wants us to do it privately like David did when he wrote Psalm 142 in the cave of Adullam. You can read about it in 1 Samuel 22. He wants us to cast all of our cares upon him because he cares deeply for 
us. You see, the Psalms of Lament, they are treasures, and they teach us how to complain, and how to complain well, not in ways that are going to be uh, a rot to our soul and our heart, but in a way uh, that grows us and transforms us into the likeness of Jesus. So go ahead and complain to God, but don't grumble. Learn from the lamenting Psalms how to be faithful even in your complaining. Brothers and sisters, Jesus still speaks to his church today because he loves it, because he cares for it, uh, because he died for it to redeem it and to make for himself a people who are his very own, eager to do what is good. It's incredibly difficult to be eager to do what is good when we're full of grumbling and moaning, murmuring and sighing and complaining under our breath. And so James says, if we want to learn to be patient until the coming of the Lord, if we want to establish our hearts and trust the process, if we want to escape the coming judgment, and be ready for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, ensuring that we don't fall away, we actually have to begin with our words, and we have to begin with our grumbling. You know, this is a religion uh, that is pure and true that God delights in, keeping a tight rein on our tongues. And keeping that tight rein on our tongues, regardless of whether or not anyone else is listening, because the Lord Jesus the judge of all the living and the dead, he is listening in. And he knows that our words reveal our hearts. If you want to learn to be patient and steadfast and ready and prepared, then you better start right here with your grumbling. A Christian who grumbles will over the years find it increasingly difficult to hold on to the gospel and will put themselves in danger of falling away. Grumbling cannot abide in the presence of Jesus. Over time, it will rob us of our joy and our gratitude, and it will cause us to forget all the wonderful things that he has done for us, and that he's gone to prepare a place for us. We won't be able to remember that we are redeemed to spend eternity with him. So, our grumbling needs to bow the knee to faith, and it needs to give way to praise and worship and thankfulness for all that God has done for us.